Hello everyone, welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. I'm Amitai Eshel, co-founder and CEO of Young Goose, the world's most innovative skincare brand. Today, we're excited to host Martha Carlin, a visionary thinker and trailblazer in the world of holistic health and gut health. Martha's pioneering research into complex, the complex interplay between diet, gut health, and overall wellness has revolutionized our understanding of professional, of personal, I'm sorry, health and skin health. In this episode, we'll explore Martha's unique journey and dive into her research and understand how her finding can dramatically impact our approach to overall and skin health. Before we start our conversation with Martha, let's share a review from one of our valued listeners. So Kelly is saying, thank you. Biohacking Beauty is quickly becoming my favorite podcast. With limited time, I always like to ensure I'm gaining something from listening to a show and this one never disappoints. Always bringing something new and interesting. Skin was never something that piqued my interest until Young Goose came into my life, although I'm a complete nerd for health topics. Now I realize how much skin functions affect the whole body. Amitai and Anastasia share so much knowledge with a fresh perspective. Amitai is a gracious and smart host and the guests he interviews are unique. Also loving episodes diving into products and ingredients. Thank you for all your, you teach us and share with us. I'm incredibly grateful. Well, I'm incredibly grateful for this uh, review. Thank you very much. If you enjoy our podcast and find value in our discussions, please take a moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Your support is crucial in helping us re reach and empower more people with transformative health insights. Well, now let's dive into our enlightening conversation with Martha Carlin. Martha, welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine. So basically, the way I start, you know, the uh, the conversations recently is, and I don't know if it's a good idea or not, but uh, basically, I believe that there are two types of people who are in this uh, in this realm of helping other people's health. The first is is, and the most common are people who have had some uh, health challenges have overcome them and now they are really you know in this to help other people and then there are weirdos nerds like myself who are just like fascinated by the subject so which side are you uh, are you more related to so uh, i'm more related to the health issue but not my own so mm -hmm. my husband was 44 years old 21 years ago when he mm -hmm. was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Wow. And he was a healthy marathon running, you know, young dad. And it just didn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. And my background was actually as a business turnaround expert, systems. And I had been trained in something called transaction flow review, which is how you evaluate business risk, where you're looking at everything that's flowing through the business. And I looked at Parkinson's and I said, uh, this is a systems problem. And so I started to do the map of what's flowing through the system. And, you know, so much of that is 
is food and water and environmental inputs. And so I started studying the science behind all of that. I mean, I coined, it's not my phrase, but people call me a citizen scientist because I am self-trained, but I am deeply self-trained across many topics, starting with the food supply, how our food was grown, genetic engineering of food, what those potential impacts could be. And then along the way, in 2014, uh, discovered Dr. Martin Blazer's book, Missing Microbes, that was talking about the overuse of antibiotics and the rise in chronic conditions that could be associated with the destruction of the human microbiome. And later that year, some publications came out showing that certain aspects of Parkinson's could be predicted by gut bacteria. And so I quit my job in commercial real estate business turnaround and um, founded the Bio Collective to build a platform and a microbiome marketplace to help advance the science of studying the microbiome. And we spent about six years collecting fecal samples and doing microbiome deep sequencing, whole genome, to understand not just who's there, but what they are doing, and using that to ultimately build computational models where we can predict how microbes work together, and then isolating our own strains of bacteria to build probiotics to address the loss of uh, function and diversity in the human microbiome. Very interesting. And I think there is a lot there. But before we kind of, you know, obviously in this podcast, we we talk a lot about how can it, it can affect skin health. And I think probably one of my favorite subjects, looking at how, you know, everything that, that we put in our mouth and, and obviously pass it through our gut relates to skin health. Before that, I'm, I'm quite interested. What did you find out about Parkinson's? And I think a lot of people with neuro, neurodegenerative disorders in general can relate to the fact that their skin also tends to lose some of its vibrancy. So maybe we can start with that. What exactly did you find in that relationship between the gut and Parkinson's? Well, so there's a number of interesting things there. There is also a skin connection. So there is a kind of a crossover between people who have um, seborrheic skin conditions and Parkinson's disease that increases the risk of Parkinson's. But we found, um, and many other researchers have also found indicator bacteria that uh, cause low-grade chronic inflammation. Mm -hmm. So lipopolysaccharide, gram-negative producing bacteria, and some of those bacteria can be producing amyloid structures or mm -hmm. can be involved in the aggregation of amyloids that are uh, indicators of Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and these protein apathies where um, that sort of ties back to what's going on in the microbiome. I actually have a TED Talk called uh, Do Gut Bacteria Predict or Cause Diseases Like Parkinson's? Hmm. And I talk a bit about some of that early research. And then we went on from that point in 2016 to do a collaboration with Caltech, where we identified some biomarker species and some metabolic um, markers. And then we took our own data and did some work that showed a connection to Haemophilus influenza, and then ultimately some overlay of something called molecular mimicry, which is sounds kind of complicated, but it's basically little peptide sequences of that come from bacteria that are very similar to 
peptide sequences in the human body. And mm -hmm. what can happen is the immune system can develop an antibody to the microbial peptide. And then in looking for that sequence can actually go and attack the human tissue that has a similar sequence. And so you get autoimmune related diseases. And there, you know, there are indicators that Parkinson's has some autoimmune connections to it. And there are a number of elevated antibodies in Parkinson's, including antibodies to double-stranded DNA. Interesting. So I do have a, a further question about that. You're talking about like the formation of amyloid, amyloid plaque due to these LPS, um, but this is, and, and obviously this is um, something you're, you're looking at as far as like uh, developing uh, Alzheimer's or uh, Parkinson's. The question is, you know, in kind of relating to your husband or the ge more general notion of then treatment, is there a correlation between, you know, improving gut health and the gut microbiome and uh, eliminating or ameliorating some of those, those signs of, of Parkinson's and, and Alzheimer's? Yes. Well, so it's interesting, about two-thirds, I think, it, no, maybe it's one-third of people who have IBS go on to develop Parkinson's. So mm -hmm. there's that gut connection early on there. And these amyloids are actually what are called antimicrobial peptides. And so it's the immune system trying to trap and get rid of these problematic organisms. Um, I actually, so, you know, we studied the microbiome and we're looking to ways that we could develop products to help people do better. And I uh, attended the World Parkinson's Congress in Portland in 2016. And some research there was presented that showed that the sugar alcohol mannitol could stop the aggregation of the proteins in, an, in a mouse model and actually pull the aggregates out of the brain and clear them. And so I came back from that meeting and bought a mannitol chemistry book and started studying mannitol, which is a really interesting molecule. It's, a, it's the most abundant sugar in nature. Uh, humans don't use it. It doesn't spike insulin the way glucose does. And there's a handful of microbes that can actually convert glucose and fructose into mannitol. And so mm -hmm. we came up with this concept of basically restoring a factory in the gut to convert glucose and fructose into mannitol for elimination. And we made that back in 2017, early, late 2016, early 2017. And my husband was walking with a cane at the time and having trouble navigating through crowds. And we gave it to him and we're measuring his microbiome and comparing it to the healthy human, human microbiome profile from the HMP project. And we could see that his gut was moving back to a healthier profile. And we could also just observe that his walking was improving. And there's there's a score called the UPDR score where they use that, the higher the number, the more advanced your Parkinson's is. And at the time he started this, his UPDR score was a 35 mm -hmm. and it dropped down to a 20 and it stayed stable at a 20 for about four years until he had COVID at the end of 2021 and had a pretty severe setback from that, which mm -hmm. then we've spent the next two and a half, three, well, three years um, clearing that up again by focusing on the gut and what's going into the body and how all of that is impacted. 
And it's interesting, some of the recent papers I've seen on the spike protein of COVID actually attaching to lipopolysaccharide for moving mm -hmm. around the body. So this is very interesting because a reduction of about 15 points, that is, um, I mean, we, Anastasia, my partner and I were sitting with uh, someone over dinner uh, the other day, and they were talking about like a, a drug they're trying to pass through FDA regulation that has basically, you know, lesser effect than what you're saying right now, which is very interesting. So is it something when you're saying, you know, we've spent the last 2.5 years uh, clearing that up, is it something replicable? And then my, you know, the second half of that question, is it something that is rec replicable with most people with Parkinson's or is it something that first you need to diagnose that there's, there's a problem in the gut? And so... After my husband tried it, we had other people try it and who had metabolic issues because it was converting the sugars. We thought, well, maybe it has application in other things. So we had a small group of people with IBS try it, and some of those markers moved pretty significantly in 30 days. And then we ended up actually looking at glucose metabolism and insulin sensitivity. There is a crossover in Parkinson's and both Parkinson's and Alzheimer's have some research calling them type 3 diabetes, yeah. that there's an insulin sensitivity. And so we did a clinical trial in diabetes last year. We actually have that clinical research published currently in a journal, and then we're working on the microbiome paper right now. So we, could, we showed actually in our clinical data by measuring the blood serum lipopolysaccharide so that serum LPS moved down significantly in the 90-day trial, and then we unblinded at the end of the double-blind trial and kept 10 subjects on for another three months. So at the end of the six months, that LPS dropped even further. So, um, And that was a double-blind trial with 30 subjects on product and 30 subjects on basically the prebiotics without the bacteria. Mm-hmm. And we, we actually have a patent that is scheduled for award on December 26 for that formulation of the, the, it's essentially a guild or a kind of working team of bacteria that work together to produce what we want to produce and use up the metabolites we want to use up. And sugars, of course, are involved in glycation. And you can get these advanced gly glycation end products, which, you know, tie to, um, you know, mm -hmm. loss of skin elasticity, a lot of things that we think about in beauty. But that's really the outward presence of this low-grade chronic inflammation and the, the sugar and glycation that's going on in the body. Yeah, it's funny. You know, we've been talking about glycation and, and glycation end products, what we were what are you know, funny enough, are called AGEs, like age. And, um, you know, there are many companies within the, the skincare space that are that have products that aim to lower glycation in the skin, but are basically, they're not releasing them because the, the general public won't really know what they're talking about. So right, right. it's an interesting topic that definitely we see that that is connected to anything from, as you said, loss of elasticity, skin frailty and the development development of wrinkles and actually a lot of the uh the skin around the eyes the puffiness dark circles and uh crow's feet is something that is almost like the you know the most dominant player there obviously over time are our advanced location and products so it's interesting 
that you're connecting the two. Have you seen any type of, uh, you know, even anecdotal, have you seen people, you know, heard people telling you, yeah, you know, I've been going through this protocol and my skin looks better. I, I, I'm getting confident. So, we haven't really had customers tell us that, but what I will say is I had a, a doctor or a naturopath early on in the process who was using the formula to make a high fat yogurt that mm-hmm. she was having people put on topically on their mm-hmm. skin. And they were having some pretty remarkable results from that. And what I can tell you is our our best-selling formula, the Sugar Shift formula, which is what I made for my husband, that contains a, a strain of bacteria called Lactobacillus ruteri. Mm-hmm. And L. ruteri, Dr. William Davis talks about this quite a bit. It actually helps with collagen production. And he's done some studies and has some people reporting improved um, skin quality, plumpness. And he actually has a a product called Gut to Glow that um, Mm. is kind of addressing that. But um, the Lactobacillus ruteri is a really interesting strain of bacteria because it produces something called bactericins that Mm -hmm. are, they specifically attack other bacteria that might try to come up and colonize the small bowel. Mm-hmm. And you can get something called SIBO and mm-hmm. Lactobacillus ruteri does a very good job of colonizing the small bowel and keeping those other bacteria out. And we, we used to have Lactobacillus ruteri in our bodies naturally, but over time that seems to have been lost, maybe through less breastfeeding. There's a number of people looking at how this got lost, but you can find it in uh, indigenous populations, but not so much in westernized populations. Mm-hmm. So would you say that's a, a good bacteria to look for in general when we're trying to you know, supplement our gut with, with you know, it is, bacteria. it is a good bacteria in general. And it is also one of the bacteria that converts glucose and fructose to mannitol. Mm-hmm. There are several others in the formula. Uh, one is our own uh, leuconostoc mesentroides, which you find frequently in fermented foods, but not very often in probiotics. And mm-hmm. so we, you know, we have that and um, we have a, a species of, of Bacillus subtilis that can also do those sugar conversions, but it has a, it has a, it's a multi-talented microbe, I'll say. And there has been some study in Scotland using the bacillus, a bacillus subtilis strain, not this particular one, but in animal models of Parkinson's with tremor that has Mm -hmm. shown it reduces tremor. Interesting. You know, going to uh, some of those, you know, to some of your formulation, and it's great to ask someone such as yourself that that is a you know a citizen scientist that kind of chose their own path and their own paths of exploration. How do you come about to creating a formula? What are some of your guidelines? Where do you say you know that's enough material that I'm putting out there? Why would someone need more than one type of bacteria in the gut? How do you approach it exactly? So well, we started with our our sugar shift product, which is a really mm-hmm. our best seller and a core product for addressing like subclinical inflammation and readjusting metabolism. It's often taken by people in the keto space who are mm-hmm. trying to get rid of sugar cravings and get off of carbs. Um, so that addresses overall metabolic health. But w- 
We actually, so my chief scientific officer, Dr. Raul Cano, was a professor of microbial ecology and microbiology at Cal Poly for about 35 years. Mm -hmm. And he really understood this guild effect of microbes from a lot of environmental work he had done. And so we sat down and said, well, what are some of the main issues that people are dealing with? And, you know, it's, they want good cardiovascular health, or they've taken too many antibiotics and they need to restore their gut after antibiotics, or, you know, they're, they have food poisoning or they're going on foreign travel and they want to protect themselves from food poisoning, kind of these kinds of things. Or so many people have sleep challenges now. Mm -hmm. And so we started to look at some of these, I guess, larger scale problems that people are trying to address or, you know, health outcomes that they want to improve. And we mapped that out and we built a computational model that uh, is called Bioflux. And mm -hmm. that enables us to take specific genomes of the strains of bacteria and feed that into a computer program that then can predict how they will interact together, what each one of them use and produce in a community. And we were able to validate that model and use it to produce formulas by putting strains together that will actually do what we say they do. Yeah. Interesting. So... You have that product, the the, the uh, kind of number one seller, the leading product, the uh, Sugar Shift, which is the first product you're com coming out with. And how do you, or why do you decide to have more than one product? What are you seeing that calls for additional products? Well, so the the antibiotic issue was one of those. I mean, we started out actually with uh, the Sugar Shift product. Uh, cardiovascular product, which is called heart-centered, and the food poisoning immunity type product called the ideal immunity. We started out with those um, with the primary focus on sugar shift, but we had looked at this antibiotic issue. There was a, a publication out of the Weizmann Institute that looked at one particular probiotic and if people were taking that after taking antibiotics, it was actually making things worse. And we could see that that was making the the pH too acidic and the formula needed to be more balanced. And so mm -hmm. we had prototyped this, but we actually hadn't brought it to market. And one of my advisors, 80-year-old mother, had appendicitis and had to have her appendix removed. And then she got septic and was on IV antibiotics for over a month. And her gut was just totally wiped out. Mm -hmm. And he called me up and he said, I know you have that antibiotic product. Can you make it? And so I said, well, let me see what my strain inventory is and what my producer can do. And so we we made a small batch of that. I think it was at the end of 2022, maybe. Yeah, I think it was the end of 2022 we made that. And she came back to us and she said, you know, it had made such a remarkable difference for her. And so we we just like put it on the market in a small batch and it sold very quickly. And we started talking to some dentists who dentists often prescribe antibiotics prophylactically. They're dentists and dermatologists are the two biggest prescribers of antibiotics, but antibiotics really have a lot of long-term effects. And I can even connect that back to Parkinson's and a number of people and the number of times they've had antibiotics. There's a researcher in Finland who's 
got a publication on that. And I have in my data set a number of uh, people with Parkinson's who in their teens and 20s took antibiotics for many years for acne. So cause and effect are not often closely related in time to where Mm -hmm. people can make that connection. But the antibiotic kind of restoring the gut after antibiotics is really quite critical because we're exposed to so many antibiotics in the food supply and in preservatives in shelf-stable foods and packet prepackaged foods, people don't realize the antibiotic nature of all the things that they're eating. And I mean, I'll just give you an example. Um, you buy hummus in a little tub at the store. Well, that's basically like a Petri dish for bacteria. So they mm-hmm. put an anti-enzymatic material in that so that it won't develop, it won't grow the bacteria, it'll last on the shelf longer. But of course, we need these enzymes to digest our food. So if we're eating anti-enzymatic things, it's, you know, all of it connects back to not being able to digest our food. And, you know, it's just this cascade of that ultimately drives inflammation. And then, you know, sleep was the other one that was a big really from our customers saying, you know, I have trouble with sleep. Now, Sugar Shift does help people a little bit with sleep, but the sleep formula is very much targeted to sleep and the production of GABA and tryptophan production. Interesting, uh, which are which are produced in the gut. So it's very interesting. Yeah. Aside from that, I would say also something else that we should consider is that the, you know, taking, you know, antibiotics, whether it is, you know, through IV or or not, are directly related to skin health also over time. We're not only talking about, obviously, acne, but we're talking about things like, again, skin barrier, inflammation, and even senescent cells or like zombie cells, cells that don't function correctly and accumulate over time and drive aging. All of these can be kind of affected by poor gut microbiome. Have you ever have you seen any, any kind of um, literature on that? Well... So, I mean, you mentioned the the zombie cells. I, I actually some of the research I spent quite a bit of time looking at is a gentleman by the name of Isaac Ginsberg who talks about what he called post-infectious sequela, which is basically the downstream effects after you have an infection, either your your body deals with it or you take antibiotics and you get cell wall debris that forms these granulomas, but you can also get these altered bacteria from different kinds of, you know, some antibiotics don't lyse the bacteria. They have other effects. They change how uh, like dihydrofolate reductase or different enzymes in the bacteria. And so then you get lots of different kinds of bacteria that are causing inflammation. And those are also producing molecules that are communicating communicating with our cells and communicating with the mitochondria. And you can get, so you have two different types of macrophages. And that's just like, I call it a little Mm Pac-Man that, so when you get an infection, you have Pac-Man that eat up the infection. And then you have these other macrophages that are supposed to come in and help with the healing. And you can get this signaling disruption of not, getting that healing cycle, which I think is what you're talking about when you talk about zombie cells, is the loss of something called autophagy, where 
the body knows to go and eat up the problematic cells and recycle them back into amino acids that can be used in the body. Yeah, well, we're actually dealing a lot with that as far as like skincare formulations. And another thing that we're seeing, and I think is extremely interesting, is obviously we've all, you know, thankfully, we are known as like the world's first NAD skincare brand. And NAD now is a very hot topic. I mean, it's a, I don't know, I think it's already, um, I think it's like a $10 billion industry as far as supplements. And, uh, you know, we can go on and on about, about NAD. But one of the things that I think people are not aware of is that bacterial growth in the gut affects NAD tremendously, especially affecting an enzyme called CD38, which CD38 is, you mentioned Pac-Man, I call CD38 like the NAD Pac-Man. And we can see how anything from E. coli to Candida raise, I mean, there is, there is an co- incredible correlation between, you know, burden of, of E. coli and Candida to high elevation of them through, through a specific event that raise CD38 levels and obviously drive aging in the body. So we can see all of these cascades that happen that push aging forward due to those bacterial growth in the gut. Yes, and E. coli is is definitely one of the troublemakers that we're looking at in Parkinson's and also an LPS producer that, again, is Mm -hmm. driving this low-grade chronic inflammation. Interesting. Hey there. This is Amitai, co-founder and CEO of Young Goose and uh, host of the Biohacking Beauty podcast. I wanted to take a brief moment to share something really special with you, our dedicated listeners. At Young Goose, we've always been about more than just skincare. We are about cellular care. We believe in not just addressing the signs, but truly diving into the very source of skin aging. The reality is, As time goes on, our skin undergoes damage, and this damage accumulates, gradually leading to those signs of aging we all see and know very well. But what if we could hit the rewind button? What if we could delve deep, uh, not into the layers of the skin, but into the life-sustaining mechanisms of our skin cells? That's exactly what we're doing at Young Goose. We're pioneering a renaissance in skincare, by employing principles from regenerative medicine. By rejuvenating and restoring the cellular functions, our products aim to rewind time, gifting your skin a youthful, vibrant glow. And for our Biohacking Beauty listeners, we have a special treat. Head over to younggoose.com right now and use the code PODCAST10 to get 10% off your first purchase. Discover the magic of truly transformative skincare. And hey, because we value our returning customers just as much, use Podcast 5 on your subsequent purchases to get 5% off. And the best part, that this discount can be combined with subscriptions and our already discounted systems. So, why wait? Dive deep into the realm of regenerative skincare with Young Goose and let your skin thank you. Remember, it's not just skincare, it's cellular care. And now, back to our conversation.
So what I like in your formulations, and that's something we are absolutely disastrous at, is um, naming products <laughs> in a way a person can just go ahead, pick that up and say, oh, yeah, that's kind of what I need. Right. The name of the product kind of directs you towards, <laughs> towards what you should do with it. But, you know, I think, thankfully, the preventative health market is moving forward, is growing. I wouldn't say it's growing as fast as I would like it to, but it is growing. So when someone kind of, you know, let's say approaches the biocollective, is interested in the, bio interested in the biocollective collective products, how should they start their journey? What is the, what would you recommend? So we typically recommend one of two things. One, you know, asking what kind of antibiotic history they've had, because if they have had a long history of antibiotics, then we'll, we'll typically recommend that they start with antibiotic antidote for a month before moving to sugar shift, which is our overall metabolic health product. Yeah. And so that's generally if somebody's had a lot of antibiotics or I have people that say, I'm getting ready to go in for surgery. Yeah. What can I do to prepare? So I'll have some people who will start, say, with uh, ideal immunity before they do that. And then coming off of the surgery, they'll do antibiotic antidote and then move to sugar shift. But nine out of 10 people who come to us are having metabolic health issues. Mm -hmm. So either, you know, they've got some insulin insensitivity and so they're trying to deal with that or they're they're starting to try to do some of the intermittent fasting but they find that they are so ravenously hungry they can't wait until later in the day mm -hmm. to eat and sugar shift really starts to modulate those cravings and hunger i mean i have uh, i have a video on my website of a gentleman named Ken Kabota who was he was a vegetarian doing keto and really having wow. a hard time doing intermittent fasting until you know, anywhere he couldn't get past really 10 o'clock in the morning without really struggling. And he started taking sugar shift. And next thing he noticed, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon and he hasn't been hungry and he hasn't eaten. So it it's really a nice tool for somebody who's trying to transition to intermittent fasting. And it's also just from our microbiome data in our clinical trial is increasing the overall diversity in the gut and restoring a more balanced, healthy gut with more functionality that because it's knocking out those bad guys that are eating up things that you need. Um, yeah. You know, and there, you know, there are bacteria in the gut that will eat up your B vitamins, or if you don't have the right, you know, complement of a bacteria, you can't make uh, B vitamins. Most of our products, but Sugar Shift has, um, you know, B vitamin producers in the formula. And there's, is there anything that you need to, you know, take into account if you also wanted to improve your sleep? Is it either or? Could you take the two products together? So what we tell people, uh, the products are designed as, again, a working guild. So you don't uh -huh. want to you don't want to take them both at the same time. So we recommend, we do have a lot of customers who take one of the products plus Simple Slumber, and you just need to take those about two hours apart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're taking Simple Slumber right before bed. We recommend Sugar Shift morning and evening 
with a meal, or if you're intermittent fasting, you can take a you can take your dose without eating. Got it. Now you did mention, as far as studies, you mentioned that one control group was taking basically only prebiotics. Are those your prebiotics? Are there already some in sugar shift? How how do how yes. does that go? So there are prebiotics. We have uh, chicory inulin in the formula, mm-hmm. and there is a little bit of mannitol in the formula. So yeah. those two function as prebiotics for the gut. And then the formula is actually making more mannitol. But in the clinical trial, we essentially had the the chicory inulin and the mannitol and we have a cellulose in the capsule. So those three things are prebiotic and it was the same except in, you know, in our product, we have the bacteria and in the controls, they only had the prebiotics. And there were some benefits in the the prebiotic yeah. only group. They did have improvement in triglycerides. Hmm. So that was also interesting improvement there. But they didn't have the the overall change in insulin and glucose metabolism and some of those key drivers that are hitting yeah. the glycation products. Interesting. Well, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think one of the deciding factors, you know, when we're talking about, you know, probiotics, prebiotics are obviously like what is going on in the gut to begin with? How well do we do we feed something that's already going on? Or do we are we st- starting from scratch, whether it is because of antibiotics or because actually our point is we have SIBO or something like that. So obviously, if we have a nice starting point where we have some good bacteria there and we provide good prebiotics, then I mean, we for sure will see some benefits because it is synergetic, you know, so I can definitely understand that. So what are some of the lifestyle choices or, you know, specific foods that you recommend to get the best results from the the products, you know, we can talk specifically about about uh, sugar shift. But how does a person behave around that? So, I mean, we we don't really tell people so much what mm-hmm. to eat, but we do have a lot of low carb eaters mm-hmm. who use our product to help them, yeah, with their carb cravings. Generally speaking, those highly processed carbohydrates, you know, white bread, yeah, pasta, these sorts of things, not so they not only have um, they're spiking your blood glucose, but they're also some of the products that are most heavily laden with glyphosate. Yeah, and that is that was patented as an antibiotic, and it really selects for not the good bacteria, but the bad bacteria. And so we do try to advise people to be mindful of foods with glyphosate residues. And that there are now more than 60, 60 different crops that get desiccated. That means dried at the end of the growing season with glyphosate. And so those will even have a higher residue. And chickpeas are one of those. So hummus that people think is healthy, you know, you've got to be really careful about that hummus because the chickpeas have a lot of glyphosate on them. Same thing, lentils are actually using um, glyphosate to dry at the end of the growing season. So there's a number of crops that you've got to be mindful of doing that research because as long as you're eating them and you're consuming glyphosate, you're you're damaging your microbiome. And we, we actually have a proprietary strain of lactobacillus plantarum 
that we have in all of our formulas that breaks down glyphosate without producing something called the AMPA that is more toxic to the brain. So mm-hmm. most bacteria that can break it down will break it down using a pathway called CP lyase, basically. But that produces AMPA, which is more toxic. And, you know, this has also been kind of a pet project of mine where knowing that, I mean, we can't fully address the gut unless we address how we're growing our food and our environment. And we have a sister company called Ancient Organics Bioscience that my chief scientific officer, Raul, is the primary owner. We're a minority interest in that. And it makes similar guild-type formulations for the soil to break down organophosphates, hydrocarbons, a number of the, and sequester heavy metals and increase, um, you know, crop yield, but also get the benefits of a cleaner environment in that process. And so that's a a little bit younger company than we are, but um, we're starting to get some traction with some farmers who are seeing improved results uh, by using it. Wow, fantastic. So this is kind of a win-win with that company. It's like um, you're also getting better crop and you're also, or I mean, more crop and you're also not poisoning people. So it seems like a win-win. You should maybe come out with a formula for specifically for hummus. Like we spoke about it a lot as an Israeli. It's close to my heart. Maybe you can do some kind of a hummus guard. Yeah. (laughs) Well, listen, this has been a very, I think it's uh, definitely a rare conversation for, for this podcast. Because we didn't, I mean, we did touch on AGEs, advanced glycation glycation and products. We touched a little bit uh, on how different bacteria, especially E. coli, affects NAD, and and that obviously affects the skin, some skin barrier issues. But I think for the most part, what we can kind of extract from this conversation is that complex dynamic between the foods that we eat, where they come from, how they're treated, how much research we're investing in kind of tracing their origins, to uh, the health of our gut, which is the, I mean, the selective barrier of our body. And I think our skin is kind of the end, end, end result to all of that. I mean, our skin basically is only a mirror of what's going on inside over time, obviously. It it can happen... You know, it, it, there can be it's an outbreak. The outward sign that we finally see of our body crying out yeah, for help. Definitely. And that that is, I think, an incredibly important message because we can provide the best skincare products in the world, but they obviously work better downhill than uphill. That's, uh, I think, the main message of this podcast as a whole. So it obviously is in our best interest to get people interested in BioQuest and kind of understand how they get access to the product. So let's talk a little bit about that kind of to close. How does someone obviously start their journey? You said, you know, people come to us and they say, you know, fill in the blank. So what what do you mean by come to us? Is there a website? Is there, is it practitioner led? What's going sure. on? So it's primarily direct to consumer. Um, we do have practitioners who have found us. So there are a number of practitioners now selling and we're looking to expand that in 2024. But It's primarily direct on our website. So it's BiotiQuest, B-I-O-T-I-Q-U-E-S-T.com. And it's also available on Amazon. So Mm -hmm. we sell both on our own website and on Amazon and then through healthcare practitioners. 
Great. And if someone needed some kind of direction, what does what do you normally I mean, do normally people kind of email you? How do you provide the best type of health or direction? So there is a table on the product page where you can look at the different products and and uh, what capabilities they have. We're actually in the process of updating that because we realize that simple slumber and heart centered don't necessarily have all of the things that are great about them on that table. And we want to keep it simple, but we also want to have the key features there. But you can see that there. And far and away, Sugar Shift is our best-selling product. Uh, but then we get emails. You can e- email us at info at bioticwest.com. And most of the time, if people are looking for help in selecting a product, um, I actually answer those emails myself. We do have some other people. We have a nutritionist that answers some of those questions. And But most of the time on the product side, people will hear directly from me. Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, you know, we you know we don't deal with customer service so, so much, but once in a while there is some question that you know is needs needs extra attention. And I'll be like, ah, just give me. I'm, I'm gonna answer it myself. You know, sometimes it, the creator knows pro- knows their product the best. So yeah, Martha, thank you very much. This has been a great addition to the podcast. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Obviously, everything is going to be in the show notes. So if you're driving, don't try to write anything down. Uh, you can just look at the show notes. And I, uh, I wish you the, the be- continued luck, continued success in that uh, journey to healing people. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me today. All right. Thank you, Martha. Take care. As we conclude today's episode, I want to take a moment to answer some questions from our listeners. If you have a question uh, you'd like to ask us to, um, and, and you would like us to address, you can leave it in, in a review on Apple Podcasts, and we might feature it in an upcoming episode. So yeah, so first question is about sun exposure and skin aging. Saying, I've heard another big biohacker say that you need to choose between getting more vitamin D and having your skin look youthful. I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Well, I I think I know who this biohacker is, but in general, I think it's a, um, I would say it's a pretty common thing that people talk about now. But what I will tell you is that you don't have to have one or the other. First and foremost, our facial skin isn't the best at converting sun UV rays to uh, vitamin D for a few reasons. But first and foremost, it's actually not that large of a surface area. And it's also a surface area that is normally thinner than other parts of your body or the other parts of uh, skin covering your body. And what happens is, is that in general, this skin, since we don't wear any piece of clothing on our face, on our neck, unless you're Steve Jobs, and on normally on our arms, these areas are more exposed to the elements. So they're more exposed to artificial blue light, EMF, you know, heavy metals that, you know, that assault the skin and, and can adhere to the skin, etc. Something we, we talk often about in this podcast this skin in general just is getting more abuse than other parts of your skin. If you want to get vitamin D3, which you definitely should, you should be strategic about it. You should expose your skin 
to the sun. Basically, you know, depends where you are in the world. And, and we are getting into the winter season now. Here we're in Florida, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the majority of people are not here, even though it seems like it, that they're here, but they're not. Try to think of exposing your, your skin to the sun when the sun isn't as strong. So as a rule of thumb, before 10 a.m. and after 4 p.m. And don't expose your facial skin. Expose the back, the chest and stomach, upper thighs, you know, kind of your, your behind, your, your hamstrings. These areas, the skin there is more robust. It's thicker. It is a larger surface area. Excuse my voice today. And this is really the areas that we're going to generate more vitamin D3 and more successfully anyway. I actually was talking to Dr. Mercola recently, and he brought up a good point that lanolin actually doubles the synthesis of vitamin D3. So you could definitely apply lanolin on the skin if you really need some help. Obviously, we can supplement with vitamin D3, but your skin, your, your facial skin, your, your neck, these areas, you know, that's just, I feel like not a good idea. Yeah, so that's as far as this question's concerned. Next question is about skin bruising. Yeah, so Rachel's asking, how do you strengthen the skin of the arms to get bruised less? And that's a great question. So this is something that does happen through, you know, obviously normal aging and uh, something we've spoken about here on this podcast, which is glycation, among other things. I mean, most hallmarks of aging are going to result in thinning of the skin and having the skin bruise more easily. And not, and, and same thing is also true with blood vessels, which are under the skin and, and obviously can break more easily. So I would say a general strategy to combat the hallmarks of aging would be definitely beneficial. So I'll start by recommending a product that is has no connection with Young Goose. We're actually trying to have them on the podcast, and that is Hopbox. If you remember, we had on this podcast the CEO and the founder of Novos, which is an, a fantastic supplement for kind of to target all of the different hallmarks of aging. It's a great product. I specifically am taking a different product just because of the ingredients there are a little bit more to my to my liking, and that is a product called Hopbox, H-O-P Box. But basically, take a look at the ingredients there. You can definitely source them on your own, or just take it as you know as this one sachet that has many different ingredients that are beneficial for overall health and skin health specifically. And those are going to make sure that the skin does bruise less, or at least we're not deteriorating more and more with skin bruising. That's as far as that is concerned. When we're talking about topicals, you can definitely, this is a strategy that's going to take a little bit longer, but I mean, not a longer than Hotbox. Both, both of them, you need to be patient, but a strategy, a topical strategy would be bioretinol and the hyperbaric mask. Hyperbaric mask, you can apply where you feel you need, you know, you need some help. You can apply it daily. We actually have a lot of people doing that. Whereas the bioretinol, we want to start the same thing we're doing in the face. So for the first six weeks, we want to start pretty slowly and slowly, slowly increasing the, the amount 
or or the instances that we're using it we do want to use it overnight we do want to apply we do want to apply sunscreen in the morning after if we're going to be exposed to the sun or obviously because we're talking about the body we can just cover these areas if we're talking about the arms or the legs specifically we can cover them with a long t-shirt and long pants but that's as far as those areas. If we're talking about the back of the hands, then we do want to apply sunblock because that's an area that bruises a lot and uh, also an area that will be exposed. You can also wear, obviously, gloves, but these are some solutions. Last question. Do oral senolytics affect skin senescent cells? And the answer is yes, they do. Again, the challenge with taking oral senolytics, and I'm assuming the question is not about rapamycin, which rapamycin is the kind of uh, poster child for senolytic drugs that people are taking. Obviously, Peter Atia is a, is a, um, is a, is again, a poster child for that. But I'm assuming you're meaning something like, for example, you know, I did mention Hotbox. They have some ingredients there, uh, like, for example, spermidine that do help with with senescent cells and fisetine they have there as well uh, a lot of people have a protocol from companies for example like life extension is another supplement brand that can has a senolytic complex obviously qualia skin which we had nick bits here on the podcast talking about their senolytic supplement I'm assuming you're meaning you mean something like that. Yes, but they're very limited as far as the amount of senescence bird, senescent burden that they can reduce and to expect to see results where we specifically are looking for it, whether it is, you know, wrinkles or whatever that is, would be very challenging. Obviously, we can look at topicals in combination with those. A lot of People, you know, we just came back from American Academy for Anti-Aging Medicine. There were a few people asking us about the product OneSkin, which is a cream that has a peptide that is supposed to be senolytic, uh, which looks promising. The challenge there is that more research needs to be done. We're rooting for them, but, you know, it's, there's a huge difference between showing something that, that works in a Petri dish and than something that works in the skin. Just as a reference, all the peptides that you know in skincare, all of them have incredible results in Petri dishes for you know wrinkles, collagen, whatever that is. And we know, I mean, every drugstore, every you know brand in CVS now has peptides. They're not all the same. They're not as effective all the time. So what we did when we developed ProCare, which is our Senolytic Serum, is we had to take biopsies. We had to punch holes into people's skin and see how it affects their skin. And let me tell you something, it's not fun. It's a hard study to do, but that's the only way that you can show results like we've shown and get the results that we've, that we've gotten. So combination of oral senolytics and topical like ProCare could be the answer. I would say something I'm specifically interested in, and we are definitely going to have them here on the podcast, is a product, is an oral product that is called Fatty 15, which is the first fatty acid discovered in the last 90 years. And that actually is showing some promising results around the downregulation of mTOR, which is kind of the master switch for those senescent cells. 
I'm kind of, you know, we're not going to get into all that here. We're going to actually get into all that when we get them on the podcast. But that could also be a supplement. I'm starting to take it. That's a supplement that I'm very hopeful to see results with. Obviously, oral spermidine, such as spermidine life that we had Don Moxley here on the podcast, definitely helps. And I can see results with it. That's why we invested two years of R&D to develop skincare with spermidine that's coming out in a couple of months, in a month or so. So yeah, I gave you a few a few strategies. Uh, let's see what works for you. And that's it for questions for today. To have your question featured on the podcast, please leave it in a review on Apple Podcasts. We haven't had much success with that. We get most of our questions through, you know, Shopify inbox or or through Instagram, but please do that. Uh, but thank you for tuning into the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. We hope today's discussion has provided you with valuable insights to enhance your health and beauty journey. Keep joining us for more conversations that empower you to live your most vibrant life. Thank you very much and goodbye, everyone.